let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Kraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Friday evening, reflecting into Scripture for Sunday. Today, we have the opportunity to talk about not only the Gospel of John and that short text, but certainly on the Trinity. Uh, this Sunday is Trinity Sunday, so... Uh, we will have plenty to talk about as it relates to that great mystery that really is that overarching truth of our faith. Everything comes out of the Holy Trinity. So with that, what I would like to do is uh, jump right in here to the Gospel reading, John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Uh, these verses are probably quite familiar to you listeners out there, whatever faith. I think uh, John 3.16 might be the most famous gospel passage, and, and maybe we can credit the sporting world to that. You know, we would see behind the uh, the field goal post, John 3.16, when, when the kicker's uh, kicking his field goal, right? And so many discussions into the importance of that passage. So this is our passage uh, this evening that we will uh, take up and do so in light of the Trinity. So if you have your Bibles out there, John 3. Uh, verses 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, as far as these verses go, you know, the gave his only begotten Son, uh, what does this highlight? Well, this highlights the earthly mission of Jesus as part of the heavenly plan of the Father, who displays the depths of his love through the sacrifice of his Son. This giving of his only begotten Son really marks a transition from the dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus that took place in the first 15 verses to an extended monologue by either Jesus or the evangelist himself in the following uh, five, six verses. And certainly this expression of eternal life, this is an expression that refers both to the divine quality of new life in Christ as well as its duration. Uh, we receive this gift already on earth in the hope that we will possess it irrevocably in heaven. So with these verses, we can engage the Trinity here a little bit, huh? I mean, we are in the Sunday following Pentecost, where we celebrate the solemnity of the Blessed Trinity, the principal mystery of the Catholic faith. So today we contemplate the first and last horizon of the universe and of history, the love of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in so doing, 
we reflect upon God, not as a solitude, but perfect communion, but family. For as St. John Paul II once said, God in his deepest mystery is not a solitude, but his family, because he has fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of family, which is love. Huh? I mean, the, the Trinity in its more traditional understanding is the Father eternally loving the Son and the Son eternally loving the Father. And, this, and in this perfect eternal exchange of love, we have the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So we have the two becoming one, giving life to a third, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the love shared between the Father and the Son. So there it is, huh? the Trinity. But why do we as Christians believe in the Trinity? I mean, really, isn't it difficult enough <laughs> to believe that God exists? I think it was a recent Google search that had the question, does God exist, as by far the most often asked question on Google. So why add to the enigma that he is one and triune. You know, there are some today who would be just fine <laughs> leaving the Trinity to one side so as to be able to better dialogue with Jews and Muslims who profess faith in a God who is uh, rigidly one. Christians believe that God is triune because they believe that God is love. It is the revelation of God as love made by Jesus himself which obliges us to admit the Trinity. It is not a human invention. <laughs> there is no love for the void, no love that is not directed to someone. So we must ask, who does God love to be defined as love? You know, a first answer might be, he loves mankind, right? I don't know if that works, right? Because we have existed for some millions of years, no more. And before then, who did God love? He could not, in fact, have begun to be loved at a certain point in time because God cannot change. So maybe the answer is before then, he loved the cosmos, the universe. But the universe has existed for some thousands of millions of years. Before then, who did God love to be able to define himself as love? We cannot say that he loved himself because to love oneself is not love at all, but only egoism, or as some would say, narcissism. Here is the answer of Christian revelation. God is love in himself before time because he has always had in himself a son, the word, whom he loves with an infinite love. That is in the Holy Spirit. In all love, there are always three realities or subjects. One who loves, one who is loved, and the love that unites them. Love given, love received, love shared. In other words, God is the eternal and infinite perfect exchange of love. If we read the New Testament with care, we observe a rule. Each one of the three divine persons never speaks about himself, 
but always about the other, never attracting attention to himself, but to the other. Every time the Father speaks in the gospel, he does so always to reveal something of the Son, right? This is what we see in the baptism of our Lord. This is what we see in the transfiguration. God the Father's utterances always point to his Son, right? Jesus, in turn, speaks only of the Father, When the Holy Spirit reaches a a believer's heart, he does not teach him to say his name, which in Hebrew is ruah, but he teaches him to say what? Abba, which is the Father's name. The most fundamental definition of love is to will the good of the other constantly pointing to someone else. Let's try to think what this would look like if it were to be transferred to family life, huh? Imagine the father who is never concerned about himself, but always pointing to the good of his wife or the mother. How about the mother who before teaching the child to say mommy, she encourages her child to say daddy. And how about children? Is there anything more beautiful than a child obediently responding to the mother and the father out of love, out of knowing that the best thing to do is to simply respond to mommy and daddy. Why? Because they know what's best. I mean, how beautiful is it when we witness a child saying no to one thing because they understand to say yes would mean drawing attention upon themselves. Imagine if this was imitated in our families and communities. They would truly become a reflection of the Trinity on earth. Places where love is the rule that governs everything. Our God is rich in relationships. And we need to rediscover that the beauty of each and every relationship is seeing self as less. Hence, why we need to be selfless. What's more, when we talk about the Trinity, yes, it is the family. As we reflect upon the Trinity as it relates to the family, we ought to also reflect on the Trinity as it relates to the first society, right? Because if the Trinity is family, it is also the first society, a communion of persons, one can begin to appreciate the importance of the family as it relates to society in light of this. I mean, if the Trinity and the love that is shared in the Trinity is to penetrate society itself, it must first do so through the family, which is the cell to society. Society will be renewed when our individual relationships will be renewed in light of the true meaning of love, which again, always seeks the good of the other. And we are given the grace and the strength necessary to be able to love like that love in the Trinity because this is the grace that we have been given in baptism. Huh? In baptism, we were given the sanctifying grace of faith, hope, and love. Unmerited gift 
We were set apart. We were sanctified in Jesus Christ. In our baptism, we were literally baptized into Jesus Christ, into his death and resurrection. In fact, when our Lord says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that can be better translated as baptize into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the Trinity is more than some sort of abstract formula. It is a reality. When we are baptized, we are baptized into the very life of the Trinity. We are given the gifts to actually share in the very life of God. That life which is love. So yeah, we are given the grace and strength that is necessary to achieve this. Remember what grace means. Grace in the Greek is, uh, is gift, right? But if you break that word down in its roots, and I think it's an Akkadian root that actually speaks to the, the res. The image tied with grace is sap, huh? Well, what do you think about when you think of sap? Well, stuff that when it gets on you, it sticks to you, huh? <laughs> well, what is sap? You know, sap actually carries with it the nutrients, the water, and even the hormones of the tree itself, all of the life-giving properties. It is right that we have the image of sap with grace because the gifts that we are given in our baptism empower us embolden us to participate in the very life of God. He gives us his very life-giving substance, his nutrients, his water, his very life-giving property so that we might share more profoundly in his love, a love that is sacrificial. All we have to do is go to that great Christological hymn in Philippians 2 verses 6 to 11. That speaks of Jesus not deeming equality with God something to be grasped. But as Paul pens his epistle, he says, Jesus emptied himself and was obedient unto death, death on a cross. He was a slave. Absolute obedience to the Father. Wow. This Christological hymn is a profound insight into the very life of the Trinity, into the very life that is shared between the Father and the Son. Christ going to the cross is about obedience and sonship, that redemption might be achieved. And we are called to share in that great mystery, to share in that great mystery of redemptive suffering, sharing in the very sufferings of Christ. This is why Paul says in 1 Peter 4.13, rejoice in the suffering. Romans 8, 15, 16, 17 and following. We suffer for the glory of God. Christ suffered not to abolish suffering, but to give it redemptive power. That when we suffer and unite and conform our suffering to Christ, it has power. It has meaning. Now, why are we talking about suffering while we're talking about the Trinity? Remember the Christological hymn. This is the great insight that we've been given. And the grace that we need to do this is what was given to us at baptism. This is a beautiful insight that sacred scripture gives us and sacred tradition has handed on for 2,000 years. Baptism 
and the grace that is given to us that we might share more fully in the mystery of the body of Christ. And we ought to be reminded of this each and every time that we make the sign of the cross, huh? We ought to pause and think of what we are doing every time we sign ourselves with the cross. Now, what does it mean to sign ourselves with the divine love that binds the Godhead as one? God said at creation, let us make man in our image. He spoke of himself as us, implying the Trinitarian nature in which we Catholics and Christians believe. God also said that we humans would image that nature. I mean, we could never overstate the importance of the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Because in Jesus Christ, we have the full vision of man, body and soul. Man has been endowed with a soul, and in baptism has been given the gift of this sanctifying grace and the Holy Spirit to charge us to be the best imago Dei we can be, the best image of God we can be. In light of what we are talking about now, I think it is very important that we ask some practical questions. Personalize this a little bit. How does my life reflect that community of love that is found in, in the Trinity? How do I image the divine nature which is love itself. Do I share in God's mercy? Do I draw from God's grace? Am I faithful to the vocation that God has entrusted me with so that my identity in the Godhead might be realized? We must examine our relationships in light of these questions, folks. It is so important do I love as God loves? Am I willing to lay down my life for those whom the Lord has given me to care for? We ought to make that commitment to remember that community and relationship are the hallmarks of the very life of God and to pray for the grace to make these our priorities and the hallmarks of our own lives. Can we do that? Lastly, with the Feast of Pentecost still in a rearview mirror, we ought to inquire about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. What does this third person of the Trinity mean to me? And how do I think of him? Do I ever pray to the Holy Spirit? Do I ever talk to the Holy Spirit? Do I ever call the Holy Spirit to descend upon me? that my life might be set ablaze, might be set on fire, like those apostles were set on fire in the upper meeting room there at Pentecost? Do I ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten me in what it means to love as Christ loved? Can we make that commitment today? How often do we renew those gifts that were given to us in baptism and confirmation, those gifts of the Holy Spirit, those gifts of wisdom, understanding, right judgment, courage, knowledge, reverence, wonder and awe, these great spiritual gifts that are given to us in the sacramental life. 
Do we pray to the Holy Spirit, not only for these gifts, but for an increase in these gifts? That each and every day, each and every hour, each and every moment might be illuminated by these gifts. Brothers and sisters, there are far too many things going on today in our culture that wish to drown out our sense of reason, that wish to drown out our sense of wisdom, understanding, right judgment, courage, knowledge, reverence, and wonder and all. Only by a lively relationship with the Holy Spirit can we engage the culture of death, which is simply the culture where there's an absence of love, and bring love to it, that the culture we live in might become a culture of life because of the love that we give it. Let us pray today that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we received in baptism and confirmation might come alive within us. Let us also pray that the Holy Spirit might dwell in us richly, producing his fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and faithfulness. These rich spiritual fruits. I mean, between the gifts that are given from the Holy Spirit and the fruits that come out from it, wow! If we had a living relationship with the Holy Spirit, you better believe we would set our cities on fire. We are lacking love in our lives. We are lacking joy in our lives. We are lacking peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all of these fruits because the world overwhelms us with busyness, with noise. On this solemnity of the Holy Trinity, we ought to be renewed and convicted to restore our relationship with the Holy Spirit and in doing so, restore our right relationship with the Godhead that we might better understand the meaning of life, the meaning and purpose of our very existence. How many days have passed when you have asked the question, why do I do what I do? What is the meaning of it? Do I do everything so as to gain something from it? Or do I do everything so as to give to it? These are the questions we need to start asking. Lots of questions this evening, huh? So my challenge to you this week is to take up some of these questions. First and foremost, where are you at in your relationship with the Trinity? Even more specific, where are you at in your relationship with the new advocate, the Holy Spirit, the counselor who wishes to be inside of you, to set you ablaze, to set you on fire, so that your enthusiastic joy may transform every encounter. You know, earlier this week, we were talking about the great church father, the great theologian Saint Irenaeus of Lyon, France. And in his response to the heresy of Gnosticism, he took up the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, 
And he said this, one of his great lines, that wherever the church is, so is the Spirit of God. And wherever the Spirit of God is, so is the church. And every grace that you need to overcome every trial. He went on then to talk about the importance of the church in and through history. That it is a pneumatic event in and through time. And by pneumatic, he intends to mean the spirit, right? The, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, right? Breath, lung. The church lives and breathes because of the Holy Spirit. And we are to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and ultimately enter into how we share and participate in the role of the church that carries this torch that is the Holy Spirit. This is what it's about, giving glory to God in all that we do, in every hour, in every moment. Now, for all of that being said, before we wrap up in prayer, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you listeners out there, not only those who are listening to uh, KKXX Live uh, every evening, but also those who are listening uh, by way of podcast, and not only uh, within the state of California or the states themselves, but abroad. You know, I have been given access to where people are listening to this radio program because of iTunes, and I was uh, most taken to see that uh, there are people who are listening in Brazil, in uh, India, Italy, Turkey, and when I see that, I am just amazed at what God can do to just bring the message of Jesus Christ literally because of technology into uh, every corner. You know, we talk about uh, on this radio program the importance of not seeing the advancements of technology as the ceiling of the potential of man, yet as Catholics and as Christians, we are to utilize technology to advance the Christian message. I mean, it is to remember that the first thing said that went out into the airwaves by way of radio was the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I mean, have we forgotten about that? The first thing said on radio was about Jesus Christ. I mean, how cool is that? And so, yeah, I mean, it's not the end of in itself, but it's a means to an end. And the end is Jesus Christ. So we utilize the gifts that have been given to us to get the message of Jesus Christ out, to get the message of the church out. And so I thank all of you uh, out there who are listening from all over the world, and that maybe you might share uh, this radio program if it has helped you better understand the faith. And by the grace of God, go I. And by the grace of God, go all of my guests. But again, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, because really it is, it is you, the listener, that makes uh, this program go. And I do want to express my gratitude. And so with that, let us close in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. 
Amen. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.